Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung. Hey, everybody, it's Los wrapping up week nine. Can you believe we're already over halfway through the season? I know I can't. We are exactly more than halfway. No, that's not right. <laughs> we are uh, exactly well, just over halfway, yes, sir. Well, halfway through the regular season. The fantasy season. That also. Yeah. But more importantly, you know what time it is? No, what? what I, uh, 7.30. Uh, well, you're also wrong about that, but uh, it's time to watch the Green Bay Packers lose tonight. At 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Central. <laughs> yeah, um, we get to see Brett Hundley after the bye week, so this will be an interesting game. Uh, we're actually recording uh, slightly earlier than usual. <clears throat> um, we're getting started before the game even starts, so we're ahead of schedule right now. It must be that daylight savings time. That's right. We're up and ready to go. Yeah, and hopefully uh, you are up and ready to go with your fantasy teams, uh, despite the time change. Or I think, actually, you, it helped, right? You got an hour back? That's right. I got an extra hour to uh, to give myself a nice close shave. Yeah, um, and so did Kirk Cousins because uh, even though it was a tough day for him going to Seattle without one of his top wide receivers, his top tight end, and missing starters on the offensive line, uh, despite all the hurdles, Kirk Cousins kept his team in the game with just under two minutes left to play and down four points. Cousins took two shots, connecting with Brian Quick for 31 yards and Josh Doxson for 38 yards to set up a Rob Kelly touchdown dive to take the lead and eventually win the game. I'm pretty sure that was a run-on sentence, but uh, we're just going to move forward. Get your close shave like Kirk Cousins with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same grade blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. That's right. They pay for uh, they pay for players. They don't pay for sentence structure, Monk. And let's uh, kick ourselves right into Thursday night football and NFC West showdown. Seattle at Arizona. How exciting that'll be this week. Uh, the Seahawks are going to have to figure out a different game plan other than stinking completely for three quarters and then making Russell Wilson play like a madman after they lost again this week to a beat up Redskins th- team. Three hundred yards with two touchdowns. Uh, and two interceptions with 77 whole yards rushing. He's a weekly quarterback one. They intended on leaning on Eddie Lacing as, as a workhorse this game, and it was going okay with six carries for 20 yards and a catch for 14 until he injured his groin and was replaced by Thomas Rawls again, who turned in nine carries for 39 yards with two catches for 31. And I think the situation is messy again with Rawls having a relative, uh, relatively decent day, all things considered. McKissick was in the mix as well, and I'm avoiding this situation if I can. If Lacey's healthy, uh, I, I would want him if absolutely needed. Uh, Baldwin had another big day, seven catches on 12 targets, 108 yards and a touchdown. He's a wide receiver two versus Arizona and uh, Marcus Peters or uh, Patrick Peterson. Sorry. Uh, Richardson and Lockett each had three catches for 41 and two for 10. They'll have up and down weeks. I, I'm, I'm avoiding these guys versus Arizona though. 
I'd tend to agree here. Um, you know, I had Richardson and Lockett as flex plays, but they certainly didn't pan out this past week, and I would probably avoid them again uh, in a much worse matchup against the Cardinals. I, I would think Baldwin should still be okay. Um, Patrick Peterson doesn't always shadow to the slot, and generally that's where he plays out of, but uh, we have seen him do that in the past, so I, I would at least lower expectations for Baldwin, um, but I do think he'll still be an all right wide receiver too, even with the tough coverage. Uh, he'll certainly get plenty of targets. Uh, Wilson, just going to be a very low-end QB1 for me. Um, that offensive line is still pretty terrible despite the uh, trade for Dwayne Brown there. I, I just don't see a ton of ceiling for him in this game, and the floor is pretty low when you think of these two teams playing each other. Uh, you really think of a defensive matchup uh, like that, what was it, like that 3-3 tie uh, last year? Um I mean, you're starting Jimmy Graham, especially with Kelsey and Ertz on by. There just aren't that many options. Uh, you certainly got to go with him. And it sound, yeah, it sounds like Eddie Lacy will still be given the chance when he comes back to be quote-unquote the guy. But he left pretty early in the game with that groin strain, was ruled out almost immediately. And they play Thursday night. So on the short week, I really don't think it's likely that he's going to play this week, um, which would make Thomas Rawls a flex play. But again, just don't see a ton of upside for this offense in general. And a tidbit is I uh, I just saw that uh, Pete Carroll said that CJ Procise will be ready and playing this week. I, I don't believe that. If he does, it's just going to make these guys even worse. Uh, if he doesn't, it doesn't change anything anyways. Uh, on the Arizona side of the football, Drew Stanton actually was not awful this week. But as I said last week, things may not look bleak at this point due to the San Francisco matchup. After this week versus Seattle, you're going to see. Trade out of Arizona now if you can. Adrian Peterson was given the ball an astounding 39 times for 159 yards rushing and eight receiving and he should have had a touchdown to show for it but arians insisted on throwing every time they were near the end zone Fitz was okay with five of nine for 70 brown had uh john brown had one catch on the first play of the game for 52 yards so that's it jaron brown had one catch for a three-yard touchdown that's it gresham had two catches for one touchdown and 23 yards so that's it jj nelson also had just one catch and andre ellington two of three for 14 catching which lines up pretty well with our expectations for this Drew Stanton-led offense. Start Larry as a wide receiver two or maybe even three this week versus Seattle and avoid the rest of the pass catchers versus Seattle. I'm surprised at the lack of passes to Ellington, honestly, to this point. And I think there's a good chance those increases the season continues. I'd hold on to him for now. I don't think he's a must hold. Uh, it depends on your situation. I don't, I don't see him contributing a whole lot, even in PPR, but... Yeah, I mean, like you said, Stan looked not awful, but there's a difference between looking not awful, um, you know, against San Francisco versus going on the road to Seattle. So uh, I certainly just don't know how you would feel comfortable starting anyone outside of Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and then also Adrian Peterson, I think both would be risky low-end flex plays here. Um, Peterson probably would be the better play just because Seattle is a little bit more susceptible to the run. Um, but again, I'm just not expecting much from Stan and, and the offense in general. Uh, I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring game here in Seattle this week. Trade now. If you can uh, give me Seattle in this game. Yeah, I'll take Seattle also. 
Green Bay at Chicago uh, tonight. We'll see what the Green Bay offense can do, what sort of split they give Ty Montgomery and Aaron Jones here. I suspect Jones will be a running back too, and Montgomery hopefully can maintain some flex value going forward for his owners. Uh, the Bears, uh, Bears defense has not been awful. I'm going to see how Brett Hundley works tonight to establish a connection with his wide receivers before making a call one way or another on, on his big three. Yeah, I'd expect Aaron Jones to continue to get the, the bulk of the work out of the backfield. Uh, I think he'll be a fine flex play um, against the Bears defense that's been pretty good recently, but they also do allow some big plays on occasion. Uh, Montgomery right now, just a desperation running back four until we see him get worked back into this offense more. Hunley, he'll uh, be a mid-level QB too. Um, I think there will be some opportunities here, but I, I do think the Bears are going to play pretty good defense against Green Bay. Um, they always play them hard, and they're at home. So coming off a bye, uh, I, I don't think uh, the Green Bay offense is uh, great to invest in for fantasy this coming week. <clears throat> I think Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, uh, I have them both as wide receiver threes, though I would prefer Devontae Adams. Um, I think he's taken over as the number one wide receiver on this team, and um, I expect Darius Slay to shadow him tonight. We'll see what happens with that. But I, I think Nelson is the better play tonight, but Adams would be the better play for this coming week. As for the Bears, they come back off the bye with two weeks to prepare for the longtime rivals. Maybe get an extra week in for Mitchell to work with the first team. Howard's a running back one, but I, I don't think we have any semblance of clarity between these pass catchers, especially with Zach Miller done for the season. I don't think there's any reason to start any of their Bears with fewer teams on a bye this week than last. Uh, Tara Cohen keeps getting fluky touchdowns, which I don't expect to continue. I, I trade him for, for a flex-type player if possible. I, I think his value is all but done for this season. Really? I mean, I, I don't know about that. I think he's getting worked in, uh, you know, playing out of the slot, uh, really playing out wide at, at times, too. They're really trying to work him into this offense. If anything, I'd, I'd go the other way. I think they probably spent some time uh, on this bye week trying to figure out how to get him a little bit more involved. So I, I think Coward should be a low-end RB1. Uh, I have Cohen as a decent flex play, given the issues <laughs> that this Packers secondary has had with stopping guys in space. Um, and then out of the wide receivers, if you had to pick one, I would say Trey McBride right now seems like the guy who has the most chemistry with Trubisky. Um, he's probably a desperation wide receiver for here with a little bit of upside. And then I wouldn't start Deion Sims or Adam Shaheen just yet until we kind of see how this workload is going to get split a little bit more. But um, if I'm going to go for upside in a DFS or a deeper league, I would probably actually roll with Shaheen. I think he and Trubisky got some chemistry working together with the second team offense in camp. And I would uh, rather bet on him over Deion Sims. I hope you are right. I, I'd really like to see how Hundley does tonight versus Detroit, but what the heck? Uh, let's take the bears at home against the pack. Yeah. Give me, give me the bears. All right. We're all in. Awesome. Uh, New Orleans at Buffalo Bills. Drew Brees was back at home and good enough against Tampa Bay. 263 yards, two touchdowns. We're used to seeing more from him, but I think he still has enough left in the tank. He's a weekly quarterback one. Kamara passed up Ingram in usage this week with 10 carries for 68 and a touchdown, plus six catches for 84 and another touchdown to Ingram, 16 for 77. Both are weekly running back one low ends for now. Mike Thomas added eight uh, for 165 and a touchdown or uh, <clears throat> sorry, eight of 12 for 160 uh, for wow. Eight catches for 65 yards, a weekly wide receiver one who's due for a touchdown soon. And Ted Ginn continues to produce somehow four catches, 59 yards and a touchdown here, but I'm avoiding him and the other options on the road here at Buffalo. 
Yeah, Bree should still be a, a decent QB1 for me this week, but uh, just a mid-level QB1. I think on the road, out of the dome, and at Buffalo, um, the Bills' defense, I'm sure they worked on some th- adjustments uh, following a pretty embarrassing loss to the Jets, but it seems like the rumors from last week uh, were true that Alvin Kamara might become the 1A in this backfield after Ingram's two fumbles against the Bears. Um, Ingram was still a... V- excuse me, involved with a lot of carries, but Kamara really dominated the receiving work and he actually got the goal line touches. Um, I have Kamara right now as a high-end running back two this week and Ingram as a low-end running back two against Buffalo. Um, You're starting Michael Thomas, of course, and then I don't know if I'd necessarily avoid Ginn. He seems to be a pretty big part of the offensive game script at this point, but certainly he's been a boomer bust option in the past and He'll be a, a high wide receiver for as opposed to his usual flex ranking when he's at home in the Superdome. For the Bills, Taylor had a studly evening versus the Jets last Thursday. 285 yards and two touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown. And he's a quarterback one at home here versus uh, New Orleans. McCoy had his worst night of the season. 12 carries, 25 yards and no catches, surprisingly, here. I, I don't really know why, but I do know that I'm not worried about it. He's a top five back this week. Uh, the wide receiver roulette wheel continued to spin. And this week, it landed on multiple wide receivers, actually. Uh, Deontay Thompson. Went seven for 10 for 81 and a touchdown. Zay Jones, six for seven for 53 and a touchdown. Matthews, six of eight for 46. And last week's top wide receiver, Andre Holmes, only secured one catch for 16 yards. And all this without the newly acquired Calvin Benjamin, who was inactive on the day. I think the future of this team is Benjamin and Zay Jones. Uh, Zay caught 399 passes in college and was drafted highly. It's clear they want him to be this uh, part of this offense. Uh, He may not play this week due to an injury uh, that happened late in the game. Charles Clay may be back this week. If he is, I like him best of all the receiving options, Kelvin Benjamin included, with the chemistry he's already developed here with Tyrod Taylor. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. This the wide receiver core is hard to predict, but I, I do think that Kelvin Benjamin's going to be involved immediately this week. Uh, I expect him to see a heavy dose of usage, but. That said, uh, I would expect that Marshawn Lattimore is going to shadow him in this game. And given the fact that Lattimore just shut down Mike Evans to the point where he got frustrated enough to shove him, uh, I would look to avoid Kelvin Benjamin this week. Uh, Just a wide receiver four for me. We'll see if Zay Jones plays with that knee injury from Thursday. He does have that extra three days to recover for this game. Um, So if Jones plays, he'd be an upside wide receiver four. But if not, I'd pivot to Deontay Thompson instead. Uh, Somebody's going to get these targets. When they're all healthy, it's harder to predict, but uh, if Zay Jones is out, then that certainly increases the target share for Thompson. Um, As for Charles Clay, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like he's going to be ready to go this week, but it sounds like week 11 or 12 is likely, possibly this week, if he does play. um, uh, He'll be a high-end tight end, too, for me. Just the fact that with Benjamin, Jordan Matthews, and Zay Jones there, um, as well as McCoy, you know, really catching passes out of the backfield usually, uh, as options for Tyrod Taylor. I just don't know how involved Clay is going to be. Um, he used to be that target magnet when they really didn't have much talent at wide receiver, but that's changed. So I don't know if he's going to have that target volume anymore to sustain him as a PPR tight end one. Uh, certainly we'll see what his target share looks like uh, once he comes back. But obviously love Tyrod and, and I love McCoy still. Uh, I'm going to chalk last week up to that Thursday night voodoo. I, I think uh, he's an essential playmaker for this offense and I'm sure they talked already about getting him the ball more this week. 
Bills Mafia, put them through a table. Yeah, the, oh, man, this one's so tough for me. I I will take Buffalo, but I think this will be a very good game. I think it will as well. Uh, conversely, we're rolling into the Cleveland at Detroit game, which should not be a great game. Uh, if you have confidence in Cleveland, God bless you. Johnson's a PPR running back too. Crowell's a flex. If you're really feeling lucky, uh, that's all you're getting from me. I, I'm not even positive who's going to start at quarterback. I, I don't think I don't think Hugh Jackson's positive who's starting at quarterback. Yeah, and maybe Najoku here too as a tight end too, just because Detroit has allowed some scores and big games to opposing tight ends. And it's possible that the Browns here use the bye week to try and integrate him more into the offense because they desperately need some playmakers. And speaking of which, uh, Josh Gordon got reinstated this week. He's due to report in tomorrow, actually. Um, Personally, I mean... He can start practicing with the team on November 20th. Um, earliest he could come back and play is week 13. I just don't know how you would trust him in the playoffs, of or the fantasy playoffs, I should say, um, without having seen him in action for well over three years, or two, two three years, I should say. Um, but I just I don't see enough upside here uh, for Gordon to roster him, except in deeper leagues, just because we're also expecting Corey Coleman to come back from that hand fracture in week 11. Um, I just don't know how much upside there is for both of these guys in a pretty bad offense and who knows, uh, you know, which quarterbacks can be throwing them the ball by week 11, 12, 13. And, but certainly worth mentioning, like I said, in deeper leagues, both of those guys certainly have the upside to at least warrant consideration. Of note, uh, that, that year with Josh Gordon, I think he, he had all those games with Derek Anderson, who was in the pro bowl that year. Wasn't he, uh, not, uh, not a, not a roulette wheel of terrible quarterbacks. Wow. That was almost an amazing catch by golden tape, but they're ruling that out of bounds here. Um, maybe there's a flag down too. Sorry. Uh, I got distracted here. Sorry. What were you saying about Gordon? Tonight, we'll see Stafford and crew probably throw a bit against the Green Bay defense. Hopefully, we'll see if Abdullah will get the goal line work or a more expanded role against Cleveland. I'm starting Matt Stafford as a quarterback, too. Tate for certain. But another thing to watch tonight is if either Jones, uh, TJ, or Marvin can take it to the next level. Riddick's been dwindling. Who knows where his career is headed? Hopefully, he can get something going this game. Yeah, I mean, I actually think Stafford's a very strong QB1 against Cleveland. Uh, Golden Tate, a low-end wide receiver, too. And Marvin Jones is a solid wide receiver three or flex option. I, I really expect that this pass offense to be very good against the Browns secondary. Wow. And I think uh, it's actually possible that Kenny Galladay could return this week as well. Um, it sounds like he might be on track to practice. So he would be a boom or bust wide receiver four, depending on how much he gets involved his first game back. I mean, I know Cleveland has struggled to defend against the tight end, but Eric Ebron just still a, a mid-level tight end too for me. I, I just don't know how you can trust him, and really neither neither does Detroit. And then, you know, like you said, that Detroit backfield is pretty much fantasy poison. I mean, Abdullah, Abdullah is the best flex of the options, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Yeah, if you're really feeling uh, froggy about starting a tight end, I, I'd I'd start Darren Fells, honestly, not not even Amir Abdullah. Uh, give me Detroit in this game. Yeah, give me Detroit as well. All right, Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. Big Ben on the road, despite the bye, is still a quarterback two for me. But Browns are wide receiver one. Bell's a top five more running back. And Juju Smith-Schuster, for my money, is a wide receiver two now. I love what I'm seeing from this kid, and I wish I drafted him. 
Yeah, the, the one note I'll add is I don't know if I have Juju as a wide receiver too just yet. Uh, he's in my wide receiver three rankings, but uh, certainly a very high ceiling for him. Uh, the main reason I say that is just because the target share is still a little iffy there, um, especially considering his big game came while Martavis Bryant was completely inactive. Um, I do think that he's past Bryant at this point on the depth chart and is going to see more targets, but simply the fact that Brian's going to be back on the field is just going to take away a, a few opportunities. So um, he's still in my wide receiver three or flex rankings at this point. Jacoby Brissett came in and did what he needed to do to beat Houston. Uh, never mind that strange 80 yard play from T Y Hilton, where he fell to the ground untouched threw his legs in the air, then got up and ran or, or Todd Savage needing time to relearn how to play football. Brissett still got the win. Gore continues to have low end running back two value with seven uh, for 51 and three catches for th- uh, 26 yards, despite Marlon Max nine carries for 29. Uh, Max still a dynasty hold and deep bench stash in most, most leagues. But the savior of the day was T.Y. Hilton, who connected on those two big passes for touchdowns on a uh, five catch, 175 yard, two touchdown day. His talent keeps him a wide receiver too for me. He he's just you know he's that talented of a guy. Jack Doyle continued with eight catches for 63 yards and is a tight end one again this week. Uh, nobody else really did anything. I don't expect them to now that we know luck isn't coming back anytime soon time to drop Dante Mongreve in uh, in redrafts yeah um if you didn't already right I was gonna say I'm not sure you were starting him anyway except in deeper leagues but certainly good call by you on T.Y. Hilton last week I believe you had him as a wide receiver one but um yeah I mean good job on that but I I hate I hate him this week uh this Pittsburgh defense (laughs) this Pittsburgh defense has been really good defending against the pass um really shutting down opposing quarterbacks so really Hilton's just a boomer bust flex play I mean you're hoping he gets one big play somehow but I just don't see it against this Pittsburgh defense that's been swarming to the ball as soon as it's thrown so I, yeah, I'd, I'd avoid him if you have better options, but uh, you're starting Jack Doyle, even though it's a tough matchup for him too. There's really very little consistency at tight end, and he's that you know constant volume PPR uh, pro- producing tight end that isn't going to get you any exciting plays, but he'll get you you know a catch for five yards every few plays. So uh, you're going to start him if you got him, and then really uh, the, the backfield's tough because. yeah that was a nice touchdown by marvin jones my uh buddy my daily lineups are very happy right now but nice um back to indy uh you know gore out out touched mac again against houston but that was a pretty close game and i expect indianapolis to really trail this coming week uh, against pittsburgh i think we're gonna see marlon mac play more passing downs in that scenario i i really do think that even though he's less consistent um, you know, he's put in because he's able to have that explosiveness and really be able to break a big one anytime he touches the ball. So I still have him as a high upside flex play, but certainly um, Gore if you're looking for safer volume and maybe Mac if you're looking for that upside. All right. Uh, I will take Pittsburgh despite them being on the road this week. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to to bet on uh, road Ben, but hopefully he'll uh, eat his Wheaties this uh, this coming week. Didn't they already lose to Cleveland this year or something? The the Steelers? Yeah, no, they lost to like Miami on the road, right? Uh, who was it? I I know what you're talking about. I mean, they're not very good on the road exactly. in general, but we're also talking about a a very poor Colts team. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Chuck Pagano, you know, keeping things rolling in Indy. Uh, the L.A. Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a tough matchup off the bye week for the Chargers, but Gordon is still a running back one start. Uh, this is a rough to re- uh, this is a rough time to recommend the receivers in this matchup, though, versus the Jaguars. You're starting Allen, but I'd avoid everybody else for right now. Uh, Jacksonville struggled versus tight ends, so Hunter Henry is an upside tight end, too, for me this week. Um, just, just too much good defense and too much split of uh, split of production between the other five wide receivers on the team um yeah i mean pretty pretty much what you said uh, I, i'd start those three guys and then uh, really i'd try to bench rivers if you could this week i just don't see it the jaguars just stomped on the bangles in the battle of the jungle cats even after suspending leonard Fournette for breaking team rules uh, he's expected to be back for this game doug marone already settled come back and he returns to elite running back one status uh, both ivory and yeldon got work and yeldon continued display uh, to play despite a fumble and went 11 carries for 41 yards with two catches for 11 to ivory's 20 carries for 70 with three for 34 in the air if Fournette misses time in the future which shouldn't be this week both backs, I think, will be usable flexes depending on your matchup. Uh, Marquise Lee went eight for 75 and a touchdown on 12 targets to Hearns's three car- catches for 31 yards. And just like Robbie Anderson in New York, he's pulled away as the top wide receiving option on this team. He's a wide receiver three or flex at home versus the Chargers. Oh, that's ironic because I think he has pulled away as the top wide receiver, but that's exactly why I'm shying away from playing him this week. Um, I would expect Casey Hayward to shadow him around as a result of that fact, and Hayward's been very good in coverage. Uh, This could actually free up, I think, Alan Hearns for a few more targets. So I actually have Hearns as a mid-level flex this week, and then I have Lee as just a high-end wide receiver four. I really do think he's going to struggle in that coverage, Um, but, you know, as as much as I like to make fun of Blake Bortles too, he's had a couple decent weeks in fantasy lately. Um, he's a very risky but usable mid-level QB two for me this week. It's amazing. He'll be so bad and then just pull a couple of weeks together. Um, this this could be another one of them. Although I, I think Leonard Fournette's just going to own this team regardless. Uh, Joey Bosa may be in Blake Bortles' ear. Give me Jacksonville. Oh yeah, Jacksonville home. The New York Jets at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, This was probably the Jets' most impressive game this year for me, at least. Hanging 34 points on a good Buffalo defense, and they did it without having to lead on the quarterback. Matt Forte, 14 carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns with four of 19 receiving. Powell, nine for 74 with a big 51-yard run. And Eli McGuire out there, 13 carries for 30 yards. You can't expect offensive output like this uh, weekly from the Jets. And I would rate both Powell and Forte as running back threes with uncertainty week to week who will be better. Three-headed backfields are just the thing to do now, I guess. Uh, Robbie Anderson led the team again with four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. And his consistency, like I said, has pushed his way into low-end wide receiver two status for me, uh, while I'm still not touching the other wide receivers at all. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins was robbed of a touchdown yet again, only turned in two catches for 20 yards, which won't happen every week. He's still a tight end one for me in my eyes and would be in everyone's eyes if he wasn't robbed of that touchdown would have had at least another eight points yeah it seems like the refs just hate asj but i mean i agree i still have him as a low end tight end one as well and one of these days he's not going to get screwed over um and normally i think you're a little bit quicker to you know put in guys like juju and robbie anderson into that wide receiver two range but i i do agree on anderson i think he's a legit wide receiver two at this point um, especially this week against a pretty bad Tampa Bay secondary. 
Um, and then Josh McCown, he's quietly the number 10 fantasy quarterback on the season thus far. So keep playing him again this week. We're going to talk about him yet again in our streaming section uh, and actually possibly even on waivers. So we'll, we'll have him as a low end QB one this week. Um, as you said, the running backs are still a little bit of a mess, but they've been a little bit more consistent lately. Even though both are flex plays in fantasy, I prefer Forte. Uh, he seems to be the goal line guy, and he's been more involved catching passes lately. So, you know, I really think Forte would be the guy here. Uh, if he's on waivers, we'll talk about him as well. And then finally, Jermaine Curse. I, I think he's an upside wide receiver for this game. He's been pretty quiet of late, but defenses have taken note of Robbie Anderson, and I think the coverage is going to roll his way, and McCown's going to still take a couple of shots to Curse. Now let's watch Eli McGuire put up 30 carries for 95 yards and three touchdowns, right? <laughs> of course, that's that's how it always happens. We think we know what's going to happen. Right? Now for the Bucks. Oh, wow. Uh, James was not good, and he's now out at least the next two weeks, according to uh, coaching staff, after being driven down on his shoulder yet again. New Orleans got after this team, and everyone was pretty bad. Uh, they're going to have to regroup and should turn out okay-ish versus the Jets. I'm definitely not starting Ryan Fitzpatrick, though. Evans was held to one uh, one catch for 13 yards on six targets, and he suspended this week for that hit on Marcus Lattimore. Came, came at him from behind. We have another seemingly horrible situation at running back with Marcus Martin getting eight carries for seven yards to not Jack his Rogers, but Peyton Barber, 11 carries 34 yards with two catches for 20. I kept expecting to see some news of injury, but it's possible that Martin's just been bad enough that they're shifting to a timeshare approach. He hasn't been better than a running back three. Uh, that's why I try to get a good running back early in drafts. Usually at least one uh, things change and so many backs become near useless and Martin may be fitting that mold right now. Cameron Brait manages one of nine, uh, uh, one catch for nine yards. Wow. This team does not look good at all lately. Yeah. Jameis Winston's going to be out for at least a couple weeks after re-aggravating that sprain. Um, I have Fitzpatrick as a mid-level QB too. He's going to turn the ball over, but uh, he's also not afraid to take some shots either. Um, I actually don't think Deshaun Jackson really benefits from this Evans suspension. He's probably going to stick to a lot of his deeper routes and I would expect Morris Claiborne to shadow him with Evans out. So I actually kind of like the rookie Chris Godwin this week. Uh, he could see his first major action of the year with Evans out. I wouldn't start him in season-long leagues necessarily, but he's a very interesting wide receiver for DFS purposes, especially if the Buccaneers get down early in this one. Um, as for Doug Martin, yeah, yikes. Uh, he got pulled in the third quarter, uh, whether it's because the Bucs were losing um, or because, you know, they just wanted to see what Peyton Barber could do. Uh, it's hard to trust Martin right now. Basically, Tampa Bay needs to be in the game for them to run it with him. And then for the time being, he's just a flex play until we see a little bit more. And then, of course, freaking Luke Stocker got the touchdown this past <laughs> week. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that. But Cameron Braid is still a low-end tight end one for me this week, especially with Evans out, I think Brait's going to see a ton of targets from Fitzpatrick. The Buccaneers are a bag full of dumpster fires. Uh, I'll take the Jets again to get another win here. Jets on their red hot win streak right now. 
Yes, sir. Cincinnati at Tennessee. Talking about hot teams, this team is just in trouble. The Bengals. Uh, they got shellacked by Jacksonville, even though they only lost by 16. It could have been 36 versus a better offense than the Jaguars. Tennessee isn't going to make it much easier on them. AJ Green was ejected for fighting, uh, but Tennessee is a good matchup. He'll be a wide receiver one, and he is uh, he is not suspended for any more games. Even though he he put on a, he did he got really excited about uh, seeing Georgia George. St. Pierre coming back and choking out Mike Bisping, I bet. He uh, showed some pretty good form there. In his absence in the game, nobody really stepped up, and I don't think this team has anyone talented enough to. LaFell, two for 28. Malone, one for 13. Maybe if John Ross were here, but for this year, he's really more of just a complimentary speed piece whenever he comes back. Tyler Croft only had two targets, but made the most of them with 79 yards. He should have been targeted more. Maybe he will this week. I still like him as a streamer. Jeremy Hill was a healthy and active in what was one step in the right direction towards this team. Uh, Mixon led the backfield with 13 carries, 31 yards, three catches for 15 to Bernard's two touches only. Uh, the backfield is Mixon's to have, but the team isn't good enough for it to matter right now. He's a running back three as the workhorse, but I'd prefer a few uh, running backs in two back committees to, on teams with good offenses. I, you know, I, heck, I, I might even say that I prefer Matt Forte to Mixon at this point. Yeah, I think I would prefer Forte, at least for this week. Um, but I do think Mixon has upside. Uh, he's really the go-to guy now um, in that backfield. And, I mean, really, he should still be a decent RB3 or flex play. I mean, we always knew it was going to be a tough game against Jacksonville, but losing A.J. Green just made it impossibly hard for Dalton to move the offense at all. But on the bright side, like you said, A.J. Green demonstrated a pretty perfectly executed chokehold on Jalen Ramsey. I mean... He could probably teach a class like Steven Seagal or something. Uh, Maybe he should pursue that career as well. But, you know, at least he he got away with no suspension here because he was ejected before halftime even. I think, you know, the NFL thought that that was punishment enough. So fantasy-wise, I I think Green will be fine. Uh, He'll be a wide receiver one, assuming he doesn't choke anybody out. Then uh, I think that'll help Dalton out. He'll be a decent QB two if you really need to stream somebody. But... Tyler Croft here is the story uh, as a low-end tight end one. He's been the go-to guy behind Green, and we saw him perform even at Jacksonville, and he's really been reliable down the stretch, and he's going to continue to be that, especially in the red zone. So fire him up. For the Tennessee Titans, everybody was back versus Baltimore, and everybody finished the game healthy as well. All right. Props to uh, the Titans there. Marcus Mariota, 218 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Should be a low-end quarterback one here versus Cincinnati. Uh, The coaching staff already said that they are looking to get him a few more designed runs, and I'm excited for that. Henry and Murray had trouble rushing versus uh, – had trouble rushing this week, but will be fine running back two flex combo versus Cincinnati. Delaney Walker went five for 71 and looked like that tight end one we all love and remember. And the wide receivers all produced, but none dominated here. Cincinnati's typically tougher to pass against, so I don't – don't like any to have huge days here. Probably Matthews as the top option again this week as Davis finds his stride in the offense, but maybe two, three weeks from now and definitely by end of season, I think Corey Davis is going to emerge and become a solid wide receiver too in this offense. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I, like you said, I do think Richard Matthews is still a 1A right now to Davis's 1B, but that could easily change in the next couple of games. Um, for right now, though, Matthews would be a low-end flex play, and I, I wouldn't start Davis just yet. He's still pretty risk-reward here at this point. But um, Delaney Walker, of course, you're starting him. You have him at tight end. And then uh, I agree with how you have the running backs uh, ranked. I, I don't have a ton to add about uh, Tennessee. 
I will take the uh, Titans at home here with looking looking for Mariota have a nicer day. You know what? I'm actually going to go the other way here. I'm going to take Cincinnati on the road. I, I think they are just a mess after the Jacksonville game, but I, I don't think they're as bad as they uh, they seem because Jacksonville is really just a tough matchup for any team. They can't lose them all. You may have something there. Minnesota at Washington. Uh, Minnesota comes back off the bye and gets uh, gets a beaten up Washington team with Josh Norman likely shadowing uh, Diggs. Expect him to be a bit limited, but he's too good to sit. Thielen should be fine here, as well as Rudolph as a tight end one and McKinnon as a running back two. Murray should be a reasonable flex play this week as well. Yeah, I mean, the big news here is uh, Teddy Bridgewater is likely to be activated this week. And, uh, you know, if he backs up Case Keenum uh, after a few weeks, if he's looking good, uh, he might just take that job. So regardless, you're not starting him in fantasy. But the great news is that for the entire offense, I mean, even though Keenum's kept them functional, I think both Bradford and Bridgewater have the upside to make this offense really light up a little bit more. Um, but, you know, as you said, either way, Diggs is going to be a strong wide receiver, too, after hopefully getting his groin completely healthy over the bye week. Um, Thielen's a nice flex play. And, yeah, I agree with your evaluation of the rest of those guys as well. Awesome. Uh, now for the Redskins, Washington came away with a win despite a ton of injuries versus Seattle. I, I don't expect lightning to strike twice against another good defense. Cousins had a rough day in as a quarterback too again this week uh, after just having an eight point performance last week. Rob Kelly had two touchdowns, but only 14, uh, 18 yards on his 14 carries. They need to draft a running back again this year, and they have a nice class to do it. And uh, Chris Thompson will be a running back three or flex again this week. Only seven points for him this game sort of boom or bust a week to week vernon davis turned six catches on nine attempts for 72 yards and will be a tight end one again if uh, if reed does not play uh crowder was held out with a hamstring injury which i believe gives me a win on our last week bet uh and we'll have to see if he's back this week uh jess doxon made a spectacular catch for 38 yards like you said in the fourth quarter I think he was robbed of that touchdown. I really think he uh, crossed the goal line there, but he didn't do much else. Uh, avoid all these wide receivers versus Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, if you want, I'll give you the technical win on that Crowder bet, but he didn't play, so I don't know if you if you really want to count that. But uh, I, if won. He, right. I won. I won, darn it. All right. Well, if Crowder's able to suit up this week against Minnesota, um, I think he'll be a decent flex play. Uh, it's hard to throw outside against Xavier Rhodes uh, and those guys, so I think the slots where you want to try to attack them at least, even though their linebacking core is pretty good as well. Um, real quick game note here. I don't understand why teams like try to adhere to this run-pass balance when their run game just clearly isn't working. I mean, Stafford's dealing <laughs> out here, but they insist on handing it off to Abdullah, who gets you know, gets like a four yard loss every single time. So just why, like why set yourself up for third and long like that? Well, I think the thought is that if you don't maintain a balance, then the defense is just going to play the pass every single time. So you don't want an extra guy defending the pass. I understand that, but I mean, it just, I don't know. It baffles me sometimes that just at least, you know, if you're red hot and you're, you're playing with that hurry up offense, you know, just keep, keep dealing it. Let Stafford do his thing. I can't argue. Andy Reid would uh, would completely agree with you, actually. Yeah, I mean, and look at how the Chiefs are doing. So maybe that says something. But uh, <laughs> back to back to Washington here, real quick. Um, yeah, Doxon had a really nice catch, and he's doing well. But I would bench him this week. I'm expecting Xavier Rhodes to, to really shut him down. 
Um, but really, the, the Redskins are showing a lot of cohesion right now in both offense and defense, despite all the injuries that they're kind of battling through here. Rob Kelly didn't look great, but he and Chris Thompson should split that backfield and, and have some decent production. Um, I would prefer Thompson, obviously, against a pretty strong Minnesota run defense, but Kelly's still flex play. He'll be that goal line back, so he might punch one in again. And then Thompson will be a low-end RB2 despite a bad day against Seattle here. Um, and then as far as Jordan Reed goes, it sounds like he isn't likely to be ready. It's possible, but doubtful. Um, so Vernon Davis, again, a tight end one if uh, if he's out. And then Kirk Cousins isn't the greatest option against the tough Minnesota defense, but I still think he's a high-end QB2 here. Um, I'm actually going to take Washington at home. I think they can get it done. Oh, uh, I will take Minnesota on the road. Oh, all right then. That takes us into Houston at the LA Rams to kick off our 4 p.m. Eastern games. Uh, Houston suffered heavily early on without Deshaun Watson, but Tom Savage eventually uh, found a groove. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, six catches for 86 yards and a touchdown on 16 targets. So at least he's targeting DeAndre Hopkins again. Uh, Fuller was held to just two catches for eight uh, for 32 yards on eight targets. He still got the targets and hopefully more of those will get converted to catches. Just a low end flex if that until Savage gets better, which may not happen at all. Uh, Lamar Miller went 10 carries for 57 yards with three catches for 34 and is a running back two versus the Rams. Their defense has been struggling a bit on the against the run and Foreman regained his number two spot on the team with 11 carries for 37 yards and one target in the air. Al blue was not in this game uh, expecting increasing targets for both Lamar Miller and uh, Dante Foreman with Tom Savage leading this offense into, uh, into Bolivian into Bolivia. Is that what you said? <laughs> yes. Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Tom Savage, you can call it finding a groove. Uh, it's less finding a groove and more so just sucking a little bit less, but, um, really, I, I mean, we talked about the backfield here last week. Uh, you know, Dante Foreman was basically punished for skipping that meeting after McNair's comments. Uh, blue obviously was demoted yet again, uh, based on, you know, Foreman's talent, but, the Rams are not the Colts. Savage is an avoid for sure. And then as is Will Fuller for me, given their struggles on offense, uh, I would still start Lamar Miller as a flex play and DeAndre Hopkins as a low end wide receiver too. But I'm not expecting them to find nearly as much success against a very good Rams team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how CJ Fedora with his snaps uh, go this week. Ryan Griffin is out with a concussion. Uh, he may play, but if he is out right as Fedorowicz returns, certainly there's opportunity there. And Fedorowicz, even though he's a less exciting option now that Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the season, he could still be a PPR tight end too immediately if he gets that tight end, or excuse me, if he gets that target volume um, out of the tight end position. But really, I mean, it's very possible here that Tom Savage doesn't even throw a touchdown. So I, I'm really trying to avoid this offense if possible outside of Hopkins and Miller. The Rams just hung 51 points on the Giants. Uh, let that sink in for a moment. Think of your preseason predictions. That wasn't one of them. Jared Goff tossed 311 yards and four touchdowns. Gurley rushed 16 times for 59 yards and two touchdowns with two catches for 45 yards and is rested due to their huge lead. Uh, he's a top five running back. And Goff, while I'm not calling him a quarterback one or anything, 
he could be a fine fill-in or a desperation uh, quarterback um, week to week, depending on their matchup. You could certainly do worse than him uh, here versus Houston. He linked up with Sammy Watkins for one catch, 67 yards and a touchdown. They still haven't found out the best way to use his talents, but maybe it'll happen someday. Probably not this year. Woods and Cup each led the team with five targets. Uh, Woods turned them into 70 yards and two touchdowns, and Cup went for 54 yards. There just isn't enough there, but but I don't expect Houston to sustain drives, which will help them both have some floor flex production between the two of those wide receivers. Definitely like them both above Watkins right now. I mean, is it too early to say that the Rams are potential Super Bowl contenders right now? Because this is a team that's beaten the Cowboys already. Um, They scored well against the Jaguars defense, and they almost took down Seattle. I mean, McVay's offense is the highest scoring in the league, and Wade Phillips' defense is just crushing it on the other side of the ball. I mean, serious, like, non-fantasy discussion for just a minute. Like, what do you think the odds are here? Yes. I mean, is it how how <laughs> no, much? I, I, I mean, I think there's a decent chance that they come out of the West. Um, if, if Seattle continues to play like they don't know what to do for the first three and a half quarters of a game, then that's as we saw this week a recipe for them to lose to teams that they should be beating. And LA is beating teams that they should be beating. Um, so that should be able to get them into the playoffs. Um, on top of the NFC West, can that take them over the NFC North and probably the Vikings? Possibly they may have that good of an offense. Can it take them above the South? Probably. Um, but the East, the, fail, uh, the, the Eagles and the, and the Cowboys, they just beat the Cowboys. But the Eagles, I mean, they look really tough themselves, too. Yeah, I would. I mean, personally, I would love to see a Rams Eagles Super Bowl. I think that would be so much fun. I think it'd be like a slugfest back and forth with touchdowns. You mean NFC, NFC Championship? Yeah, sorry for the NFC yeah. Yeah, championship game there. I mean, I think that would just be so much fun to watch those teams duke it out. We could see that. Um, but all right, sorry. Back to fantasy real quick. Uh, you know, really, you mentioned Jared Goff, and I don't know why it would be far-fetched to start him as a fantasy QB1. And in fact, this week I have him as a top five or six fantasy quarterback. I mean, really, if you look at his games, excluding the games against Seattle and Jacksonville, Goff has been averaging 19.4 fantasy points per game. Uh, He's the number 11 fantasy quarterback thus far on the season. I mean, why not fire him up against Houston defense that's been really struggling to stop anybody right now? I mean, Gurley, of course, is an elite running back. And then, as you said, Woods and Cup are both solid flex plays against this Texan secondary that's not really doing much. Watkins, he'll be a boom or bust wide receiver four. We've seen that it just takes a few plays, but... The only problem is you're just not playing that many consistent snaps right now. But a quick fun fact, too, about Woods. I mean, he's had either five catches or 70 yards in the in four straight games. I mean, Woods is a legit weekly wide receiver three or flex. If you, if you haven't been starting him, I mean, I think he's a relatively safe play at this point in McVay's offense. And then finally, at the tight end position, if you combined... Higby and Everett into one person they would be a fantasy relevant tight end but unfortunately right now it's just a dart throw I mean which of them is going to get a big play and or touchdown each week so there's just not much there in terms of that split usage but give me the Rams at home Higby or Higverett that's an interesting idea Uh, (laughs) give me the Rams as well Dallas at Atlanta kicking off the 4.30 p.m. Eastern games. Uh, Dak was good versus Casey, 250 yards, two touchdowns. Zeke, 27 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown in the top five running back if he plays. Otherwise, 
I don't know. Last week, Jerry Jones said Al Morris would be the top back. I, I think it's best to grab one of those three guys and see what happens, but start none of them if you can help it. Uh, Des went six for 73, but left with a high ankle sprain. Um, if healthy, he's a wide receiver one. Terrence Williams actually did really well with nine catches, 141 yards. We both know that I hate him. Maybe Mung wants him. I'm avoiding him still. I don't care. Jason Witten was surprisingly ineffective this game. Atlanta does nothing to scare me. If you want Witten or Williams that badly, have added, especially if Ezekiel Elliott is not playing this week, which we'll wait to hear from the courts this week. Uh, just, just another week of unknowing. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty unfortunate for Dallas because there's a small possibility that they're not going to have uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Des Bryant, or Terrence Williams this coming week. <laughs> Um, I mean, really, nobody knows what's going on with that Zeke story right now. He's got another hearing scheduled for Thursday. Supposedly, according to reports, it's unlikely that the panel of judges would have a decision by Sunday. So it sounds like he's going to play again this week. Um, again, beyond that, no one's really sure. It, start Dax, start Zeke. Does his high ankle sprain sounds like it's going to be questionable. So we really don't know right now. Um, keep seeing how he's doing in practice throughout the week. And then we'll see uh, the same for Terrence Williams. And I mean, if one or both of them are out, Bryce Butler would be a huge high risk, high reward flex play. I, I, I mean, he's just, I, I mean, really, uh, he needs to play more. That That's all it is. But uh, I'm a believer. Of course, if Des Bryant does play, both of those guys kind of return to that wide receiver four status. I, I definitely am not trusting Terrence Williams yet either. Um, and then Jason Witten, he'll be a mid-level tight end too. Atlanta's been defending well against the tight end. And really, I think possibly the biggest beneficiary here too might be Cole Beasley. I mean, again, he and Bryce Butler would absorb those targets um, if those guys are out. And uh, he would be a low-end flex play as well in that scenario. Is Bryce Butler a long-lost brother of yours or something? No, I just, I, I mean, I look. You like his name. Double B, always a crowd pleaser. Hey man, it's that it's that alliteration. Like Stan Lee says, uh, he might be a superhero for your fantasy team. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons lost to the Panthers after a wide open, very rare drop from Julio Jones, which would have been a for sure touchdown. Matt Ryan, three hundred and thirteen yards, two touchdowns and an interception. A quarterback won this week uh, versus Dallas. Freeman and Coleman both struggled again. Freeman eleven for forty six with four catches for eighteen, and Coleman five carries for only five yards, but added another touchdown with a nineteen yard reception. Freeman's again a low end running back one, but he's gonna have to pick it up fast. Coleman's a decent flex play just because he tends to fall into touchdowns here. Julio Jones had a nice day, but could have been a great day if not for that drop. He ended up with six catches, 118 yards, and a wide receiver one matchup this week. Mosinu isn't getting a ton of targets, just five this game, but keeps on producing three catches, 23 yards, and a touchdown. I like him as a low-end flex yet again. Taylor Gabriel had three catches for 56 yards and four targets. I still prefer Sanu here, just, uh, just good to keep up on what's going on with that other wide receiver. Yeah, that Julio drop was killer. Um, oh. I mean, I'm I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? We're we're on to Dallas. Um, Matt Ryan should be a low end QB one again this week. And then the Cowboys' pass rush has really come alive, but their secondary still has a lot of issues. Uh, I definitely love Julio Jones again this week. Uh, Sanu should be a, a constant wide receiver three or flex play, given you know all the red zone targets he's been seeing. 
And then again, I said this last week, but Devontae Freeman is not a running back one for me. Um, he's an RB2 until Atlanta gets his offense going a little bit more. And if you look at the stats, he's been averaging 8.6 fantasy points per game the last four weeks. That's just not running back one material right now. Um, yeah. Coleman, uh, he continues to eat into his workload. And really, uh, he might almost be the better play right now. Um, I, I would still start Freeman over Coleman, but I think it's getting closer, kind of like an Ingram and Kamara type of situation where the two are really splitting that workload. So um, finally, you know, I had to choose between Austin Hooper and Ed Dixon in a league with Gronk on by this past week. And the Oof. right the right answer was that there was no right answer. <laughs> um, but uh, Hooper just still isn't getting consistent targets. And Sean Lee has been defending the middle of the field very well, as well as Jeff Heath. Um, he picked off Alex Smith for the first time this past week. And I just don't see a ton of upside for Hooper. Uh, I'd bench him again this week. How about them boys uh, continue to roll against another? Well, not another good team, but another team that wears red colors. They will win. Yeah, I mean, a lot's going to be dependent on injury and suspension news, but as far as what we know right now, give me Dallas as well. Yes, sir. Uh, the Giants at San Francisco. 2018 can't come fast enough for the Giants. Uh, that said, Eli wasn't abysmal versus the Rams. 220 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Evan Ingram went four catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown as the best player on this team. He's a tight end one for me every week. Uh, Orleans Dirk was 16 carries, 71 yards, plus two for eight through the air, with a little pressure applied by Gallman or Vereen, and Paul Perkins a healthy scratch. Uh, he's a running back, too, versus San Francisco. And Sterling Shepard went five of nine for 70. Somebody else needs to catch patches out here and uh, he has the most talent despite Tavares Kings uh, scoring that touchdown here Shepard's a low end wide receiver two versus San Francisco yeah I mean I love Evan Ingram he's on pace right now to break some rookie tight end records and really I mean I think he should be at least in consideration for offensive rookie of the year here um, he's been what he's been doing has been amazing and you know, I have Sterling Shepard as more of a wide receiver three or flex play than a wide receiver two, but yeah, certainly he's going to see plenty of targets, so I can understand why you have him ranked that way. Um, and yeah, not, not a whole lot else uh, to add. This is going to be two bad teams going at it. I, I thought it was pretty funny when Ben McAdoo was asked what he said to the team at halftime, and he literally had no response. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if he's going to be the head coach this time next year, so... That's, uh, I, I guess, uh, as a Bears fan, I'm like, oh, at least we're better than somebody. There we go. Uh, C.J. Beathard really wasn't awful versus Arizona, but he just doesn't have the cast around and be usable at this point. And I think he's being held out so far this week from practice. Uh, plus, his days are numbered with the Garoppolo trade. Carlos Hyde was looking good with 12 carries for 41 yards and nine catches for 84 yards. If he's not suspended this week after starting that fight, he'll be a low end right running back one for me here. Uh, Marquise Goodwin and Aldrick Robinson each had eight targets, which Goodwin converted two of them for 60 yards and Robinson converted two of them for 18 yards. Uh, Pierre Garcon is of course out for the season with the cervical spine fracture, which if that sounds scary, it is. Uh, we wish him the best in his recovery as well. Uh, just, just avoiding the pass catchers on San Francisco. The, oh no, Beathard, uh, Kittle's being held out. Not Beathard. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, not a whole lot to add here. I, I'm pretty sure Carlos Hyde is going to play. Uh, I think it's per Adam Schefter. Uh, Mike Evans was the only suspension, uh, uh, that was known uh, for this week. And then um, really, I think Hyde will be a good high end running back to play, but 
Marquise Goodwin here. Uh, he'll be a desperation wide receiver for this giant secondary has been playing confused. We'll see if Janoris Jenkins uh, plays this week with this whole organization kind of in disarray. Ben McAdoo said this week that he's going to quote unquote talk to Jenkins when he has time or something like that. So I don't know what that means. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is two bad teams going at it. Uh, I, I don't think I'll be watching a ton of this game. I'm just going to go back and watch some film uh, after the fact. But uh, I guess uh, give me the Giants on the road. <laughs> Yeah, give me the East Coast bad team. Give me the Giants. New England at Denver. Sunday night football. New England comes off a bye. Watch for news of Hogan's AC sprain, but uh, the bye week may have been perfect remedy for it. Despite Denver being Denver, they also just allowed 51 points to the Eagles. So you aren't shying away from your Patriots. Brady, Gronk, Hogan, Cooks, White. I wouldn't use Gillisley here with how good Denver typically is against running backs. And Burkhead and Lewis probably won't get enough use to warrant starting with them altering each other out a bit but if you're in a pinch patriots are about the best players in the league to use as high-end flexes if you really need to use them i'm not going to hate on you for it yeah i'm actually going to add a couple things one um if chris hogan is out uh, danny amendola becomes a usable flex uh we'll, we'll see about his shoulder sprain uh, and the news if he's practicing this week that'll be something to monitor and then two, I actually disagree on the running backs here. I prefer Deion Lewis slightly over <laughs> James White in this game. Uh, I think Demard's run defense has shown some cracks lately, and they may try to run more as well if Hogan is indeed out. Um, so I do like Lewis. He, his um, carry count has been going up steadily, and I, I don't see any reason it would suddenly change. Uh, Patriots running back usage is unpredictable, but at the same time, uh, you know, if they're finding success... Uh, Usually it's for a reason if that changes, so I don't expect that too. And then finally, New England's uh, defense has started playing a little bit better prior to the bye week. Um, they could be worth a shot streaming here against Brock Lobster. Maybe uh, that can be our bet for the week. Uh, Lewis versus White? You're saying like more PPR points? Sure. Yeah, I'll take Deion Lewis in that. All right, here we go. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, for as great a quarterback that John Elway was, he sure can't evaluate quarterback talent. He went out of his way to re-sign Brock Osweiler, and the dumpster fire versus the Eagles is what we got to see. Don't get me wrong. He is hilariously good fun to watch. 208 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a ton of bad throws into triple coverage, and he is definitely not the answer that they're looking for. Uh, they had to play catch-up the entire game, limiting rushing attempts and keeping the ball in Brock's hands. We have another three committee at running back and with few exceptions if you have three running backs then you effectively have zero running backs cj anderson nine carries for 13 yards charles four carries for one yard plus four catches for 23 and booker uh six carries for 21 with two catches for nine i believe he actually had the most snaps on the field go figure i wouldn't flex any of them even though they are playing new england the wide receivers are definitely limited by osweiler but i'll have to throw a lot again this week uh, so demary's thomas a wide receiver two for me and hopefully a fully healthy emmanuel sanders is a wide receiver three um here here's what i'll have to say about brock osweiler i i don't think he's a good starting level nfl quarterback but at the same time you know given the fact that he was traded back to denver you know in the preseason missed most of the camp but uh, and really hasn't gotten any playing time and i'm assuming not much run with the ones I think Osweiler did all right, all things considered. Uh, really, that 
the Denver defense lost in that game, not the offense. So um, just a little bit in defense of Brock Osweiler, but uh, certainly in terms of fantasy, I, I think he's a high risk QB too. Um, worth a shot in daily for the price. And if you're desperate, uh, you could stream Osweiler just because the Patriots defense has shown some holes. And then uh, pretty much what you said, uh, you know, in terms of Demarius and Sanders. And then I'd actually play Devontae Booker if I had to pick a Broncos running back. Uh, Booker has been performing the best and really he may continue to get more touches as they kind of see how all three are doing. And he's certainly shown the most flashes thus far. Could not disagree with you more on Brock Osweiler. He does not belong in the NFL. Uh, Give me the Patriots. I mean, all right, give me this. I mean, Osweiler's better than, you know, like Tom Savage or or Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, Tom Savage doesn't throw into triple coverage, and and Ryan Fitzpatrick just needs to gel with his new team. Brock Osweiler (laughs) isn't on a new team. He was brought back by John Emily because he knows this offense. He played with Sanders and Thomas. He has no excuses. He was just cut by the Browns, who don't have a clue what to do at quarterback. All right. I mean, I agree to disagree. I mean, again, I mean, he is learning Mike McCoy's offense because that did change. So I'm, I'm just eh. saying. Eh. All right. I'll just be an Osweiler apologist here. <laughs> All right. I'm just be an apologist. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you but, want the Patriots, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Give me Belichick and Brady and company. All right. Monday night football, Miami at Carolina from a loss on Sunday night to another loss coming this Monday night. We love Jay Cutler in primetime, I guess. Uh, Cutler actually played pretty well, albeit against the poor defense. 311 yards, three touchdowns with the return of Devontae Parker, who caught five catches for 76 yards and Landry added six of seven for 32 in the touchdown. They're again both wide receiver twos and Kenny stills faded as expected. Uh, Julius Thomas actually had a great day, six catches, 84 yards and a touchdown, but that is not very projectable. Uh, in the first week without Jay Ajayi. The run game really wasn't awful. Uh, Kenyon Drake, 9 for 69, Gronk's favorite rushing total on the season, and six catches for 35 yards, plus a fumble and two-point conversion. What a roller coaster for him. Damian Williams went seven carries, 14 yards, plus six catches, 47 and a touchdown. They're both playing right now, and I really sort of like them both. Been a lot of backs in three back situations. Uh, they're both running back threes to flexes with upside of hopefully some lasting value. Uh, for here, Here's an example i i like them both over joe mixon uh no absolutely not i I will disagree with that um if you want to make another bet i I will take mixon over you know Kenyon drake this week or however you want it let's do it however you want it all right so mixon more points than Kenyon drake this week we could do whatever you like all right sounds good uh we'll see how that goes in a week but uh, Jay Cutler here uh, certainly showed well in primetime, but I don't love him at Carolina this week. Just a desperation QB, too. Um, I expect Cutler to see a lot of pressure here. and But still, you're starting Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker because they do not get deducted points for the interceptions that Jay Cutler is about to throw. And uh, yeah, like you said, both running backs are decent flex plays, but not as good as Joe Mixon. Um, I do prefer Damian Williams <laughs> over Kenyon Drake this week, uh, just because Williams gets more of that passing down work. And against a strong Carolina run defense, I think Drake's going to struggle. But look, I, I'm not saying I'm going back to Julius Thomas, but I am intrigued. Um, I would not I, look. I would not start Thomas this week against a good Panthers linebacking core, but 
look, Miami does play Tampa Bay and New England after this week, and if his usage continues like that, if Adam Gase has truly found a way to reintegrate him into his offensive system, he's worth a look because he was a top three tight end. And I understand that was with Peyton Manning, and this is Jay Cutler, but Jay Cutler will will deal the ball, will get it to his guys, even if it kills him, and, you know, that's worth something in fantasy. I think Josh Gordon was also a uh, wide receiver one that year. And also I think uh, Tony Romo was a quarterback too, uh quarterback one that year too. So, uh, you know, if we're dri- driving us back to 2012, then let's do it all together. All right. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I was distracted by the game here. Uh, Brett Hundley just barely overthrew Devontae Adams. Just Because he's terrible. Although, I mean, actually, no. Looking at it, that was more on Adams. Uh, he should have caught that ball. Um, that was not on Hundley, but... All right, back to uh, back to this game here, Carolina. In Carolina's first game without Kelvin Benjamin, the offense actually looked pretty decent. Uh, Cam got back to his game with 140 yards passing, but added 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground with some nice design quarterback runs. Juking around out there looked great. Sorry, I got a little excited. I love watching Cam Newton play Cam Newton's game. Uh, John Stewart started the game with a good deal of carries, but lost two fumbles, ended with 11 carries only for 21 yards. Not a good look for the veteran. Christian McCaffrey finally turned a solid enough rushing day, 15 carries, 66 yards, and his first rushing touchdown of the season. Congratulations, Christian McCaffrey, as well as five catches for 28 yards. His usage keeps him a weekly running back too. And I expect that to expand at some point, uh, but he's been a solid running back too for you so far. Um, really not disappointing as a lot of people are saying he is in Funches's first day as a wide receiver one he managed five on seven for 86 yards he'll be a low-end wide receiver two here losing Benjamin may have actually opened things up for McCaffrey and the run game as well nobody else really produced receiving it seemed like those speed receivers did help keep the defense honest popping the top on that uh, on that defense yeah, I mean, Cam Newton, uh, he's fun uh, watching him run again, and, and obviously it helps his fantasy value a ton. But you got to think, I mean, they're a little worried about him because that, uh, that goal line, you know, the run where he kind of got the ball just over the goal line, his hand came smashing down on, I think it was Desmond Trufant or Robert Alford's helmet. And, you know, that's risky because even though Cam's a big guy, like that's how you break a wrist or a hand. Um, I mean, he, he should watch out for that. But uh, certainly a ton of fun to play um, or to watch play, I should say. And then, yeah, McCaffrey got a ton of work after Jonathan Stewart fumbled twice. Uh, I think he made some Vegas bets on the Falcons this past week. Uh, so we'll see if this kind of workload keeps up for McCaffrey. But like you said, with his involvement in the passing game, he's been a solid RB2. And then I do like Funches here, but worth noting that our Darius Stewart actually got a ton of snaps at wide receiver the most with Kelvin Benjamin gone. Um, Stewart's a name to watch as a dart throw wide receiver for this week, but rest of the season, um, if Cam and him start to build some of that chemistry, he was pretty highly drafted, and he certainly has potential in this offense that already has to account for both Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey in space. So, you know, if you're desperate, if I know if you started Ed Dixon last week, like I did in a couple leagues, I'm, I'm very sorry, but he's a risk reward tight end too. Again, this week, Miami's given up a ton of plays to the tight end position. Jared cook managing a very nice game against them last night. And Dixon is still getting a few targets a game. So, He's got that potential, again, a very low-end tight end, too, but the upside is there. 
Speaking of tight ends, uh, if he's unowned this or next week are the weeks to uh, add Greg Olson for free if, if you want him, if you've got room on your bench. Oh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely need to talk about him uh, in just a few minutes, but definitely agree with that. Uh, this offense is, is primed to get a lot better with Olsen coming back. I will take the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, give me the Panthers as well. All right, our buy teams, Baltimore, Kansas City, Oakland, and Philadelphia. Uh, Baltimore lost a close one in Tennessee, seven catches and a touchdown for Buck Allen. Macklin neared 100 yards here. No real change in our team projections here, but just like Greg Olson, it may be time to look into Danny Woodhead if he is not owned. Uh, ben Watson, of course, Joe Flacco, Jeremy Macklin, and the running backs on the buy this week. Kansas City, Alex Smith was good, but not good enough. Hunt just nine carries for 37 yards as Reed fell back into his rushing averse ways uh, making us think of uh, of Brian Westbrook all over again another nice set of days for uh, Kelsey and Hill here of course Alex Smith cream hunt uh, Hill and Kelsey sitting for this week on the bye. Oakland had a nice win in Miami with Carr hitting 300 yards. Lynch with two nice touchdowns, looking like a young man out there. And Jared Cook really showing me that he's learned to catch. He's found a huge role in this offense and is a great streamer, if not low end tight end one weekly. The wide receivers were just okay here, of course. And everybody there had mentioned uh, Crabtree and Cooper on the bye this week. Philadelphia, the Eagles had their way with the Browns. 51 points. Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement had big days here while Blunt and Smallwood still saw their share of backfield time. This is a mess for now, but I love what I see from Ajayi on this team, and he may come out uh, the, the 1A to maybe a Corey Clement type 1B. So we'll have to see what uh, goes on on the practice, practice field this coming week. Elshon schooled the defense, 80 yards and two touchdowns. Just a great game all around. Uh, too bad Ertz missed out. I really think he could have had two touchdowns for himself that game. Yeah, but I mean, if you're an Ertz owner, he's been carrying you all year, so you certainly can't be mad at him. But uh, that brings us to a few streaming options here to consider. We've got Josh McCown at Tampa Bay, 34% owned. Um, again, he's the number 10 fantasy QB right now for the season. And Tampa Bay's defense is horrible. That whole team is pretty much given up right now. So keep rolling McCown out there as long as he's slinging it. And then if you're really desperate, Blake Bortles against the Chargers. I mean, yeah, I don't trust him, but it's a decent matchup here on paper, and he's been okay the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I would expect a couple of Phillip Rivers turnovers, which could make it easier on Bortles to score, uh, getting them set up in good field position. For your uh, running backs for the week, Vernon Day. Wait, I'm sorry. Lost my place. Tight ends for the week. Vernon Davis versus Minnesota. Sorry about that. 60% owned right now. Uh, Jordan Reed's gone. He led the team in targets here, catches and yards. As long as Jordan Reed's out, Vernon Davis is a tight end one as a key piece of this Washington offense, as we know. He gets Minnesota this week. Tyler Croft at Tennessee, 41% owned. The Cincinnati offense was expectedly terrible against Jacksonville, but Croft led the team in receiving with A.J. Green ejected, and I expect him to continue to be the number two target behind Green against Tennessee here. Yeah, I mean, I think Vernon Davis is going to rush for at least two touchdowns this week. I, I could totally see it. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> um, yeah, so a, a few uh, options at defense here to stream. Uh, we've got Detroit against Cleveland, 56% uh, owned. Uh, again, it's Cleveland. Enough said. We don't even know who's starting at quarterback, and they don't even know. It's likely Kaiser, but could change halfway through the game, so we'll see. 
Um, we've got Pittsburgh at Indianapolis, 65% owned. Jacoby Brissett and T.Y. Hilton looked pretty good against the demoralized Houston team, missing key players on defense. But again, the Steelers' defense is much better, and I would expect some turnovers in this game for the Colts. And then finally, we've got Chicago against Green Bay, 6% owned. This Bears defense has been playing surprisingly well since Trubisky kind of revitalized the team, and they're focusing more on takeaways and getting to the quarterback. So they're fresh off a bye, and Brett Hundley could be in for a rough day here. I'll take you through a few of our injuries that are going on here through the league. Jameis Winston with the AC sprain aggravation after being driven down hard to the turf out multiple weeks, at least two, according to coaches right now. Teddy Bridgewater with a knee not likely activated this week, only add in Superflex or two quarterback leagues. This could raise the value of Diggs, Sealand, Rudolph, Murray, and McKinnon if he takes over as quarterback later in this season. Eddie Lacy with that groin strain. Doubtful for this week, given Seattle plays on Thursday that quickly. Just a mess out in Seattle. Danny Woodhead with that hamstring. Baltimore's a bye this week, but he could return the week after week 11. If you want to add him for free, this is the time. Our wide receivers will take us through Des Bryant with that high ankle sprain. Questionable so far for this week, early in the week. Terrence Williams, bad news for Dallas. Also another high ankle sprain. Also questionable for this week. Just the, the ankle sprain boys out there. Look at Bryce Butler, man. Chris Hogan with that AC sprain in the shoulder. Questionable for this week. Uh, Kenny Galladay, hamstring. Did, uh, not active this game questionable for this week dd westbrook of the jacksonville jaguars had that core surgery he's day-to-day questionable still for this week and finally our tight end zach Ertz with that hamstring was a game time decision against denver literally a game time decision that morning reporters had said he was going to play uh the bye week helps probably ready for week 11 Charles Clay with that MCL sprain questionable this week, but likely back week 11 or 12. Jordan Reed with the hamstring week to weekend questionable. Ryan Griffin had a concussion to add to the number of tight end concussions in Houston questionable this week. CJ Fedorowicz concussion likely to return this week to his uh, starting position. And Greg Olson with that foot fracture should be able to return week 12. Yeah, and by the way, that was very impressive by uh, Green Bay to get their field goal unit on the field and kick that with like 12 seconds left. So props to them. Um, I thought right. you were calling me impressive for running us through our injuries for the week. <laughs> I mean, also that, of course. Uh, you, you did a very good job, Los. Good job. I always do. Good boy. Um, all right. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers leads off our waiver wire ads 39%. He could return in week 15. Um, stash him if you got a good record and you got the bench space. And then we talked about Josh McCown, 34% owned. Uh, We don't need to go into those stats again, but he's been good thus far and keep rolling him against Tampa Bay. Matt Forte, 42% owned. He's become that 1A again for the Jets now that Forte is healthy and the team is playing well enough to stay in games and actually run the ball. Um, Same argument for Bilal Powell, 71% owned, but again, he's got that ability to break a big one and he's also an RB2 if Forte gets hurt again. Dion Lewis, 51%, and we know we, I like him more than Los does this week. Um, but even so, not a great matchup for him. But again, he's that main runner in the New England backfield for now, and we got value for that in a high-scoring offense. Orleans Dark was 63% owned. He's the starter for the Giants. For what it's worth, uh, he will have value as a volume play when they're not playing the Rams. And then Marlon Mack, 49% owned. Again, frustrating usage for him with Frank Gore still very much involved, but Mack's got that upside to break a long touchdown anytime he touches the ball. 
At wide receiver, we've got Robert Woods, 34% owned. Again, he's had four straight games now, five catches or 70 yards, and he's a legit wide receiver three. Corey Davis, 45% owned. He's played fifth, or excuse me, 75% of the offensive snaps in his first game back, and Davis should quickly become the number one receiver in that offense. Danny, Danny Amendola, we mentioned, 49% owned. A poor matchup this week against the slot corner, but he could have flex value if Chris Hogan misses some time. Mohamed Sanu, 65% owned. We've been talking for him, about him for a while. Sanu's an every week wide receiver three or flex with upside um, if Julio Jones misses any time. And then we've got Josh Doxson at 29% owned. Doxson's past Terrell Pryor on the depth chart at this point continues to develop that chemistry with Kirk Cousins. And much like Devontae Parker, he could be a wide receiver too in the making if Doxson own, excuse me, earns more playing time. And then finally, we've got Marquise Lee, 37% owned. He's the number one wide receiver right now in Jacksonville, and he's been getting open a lot with defenses focused on stopping Fournette as their top priority. To take us back through the running backs yet again. No, tight ends. I'm kidding, folks. Vernon Davis, 60% owned right now. Tight end one, it's top option, of course. Tyler Croft, as we talked about, 41% owned. He got that number two target on that on that offense. Uh, Charles Clay, 12% owned, could return this week as Tyrod Taylor's check down and red zone option. Love Charles Clay. Tight end one when he's ready. CJ Fedorowicz, 10% owned. Not as much upside with Sean Watson out for the season, but hey, a bad quarterback's best friend is his tight end. That's for sure. Greg Olson, 50% owned integral part of the Carolina offense. Once healthy can return week 12. Can you believe that we're already talking about week 12 guys? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's always amazing how many crazy things happen week to week, the different injuries, the different comebacks teams really change their identities. You know, every few weeks, really, I mean, bad teams can find their groove and good teams can get injured or, you know, start playing poorly. So same with your fantasy teams uh, your roster should either be good or it should be constantly changing because it can always get better and especially now getting through this stretch of bye weeks uh, you know you're gonna have to make some tough decisions whether you know you're poised to win for a while and you need to start prepping for the fantasy playoffs or if you just need to get by this week with a win so wherever your team is right now in the standings however you're doing uh, we hope that you will find success for the rest of the season. But as always, if you have more specific questions for us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los L-O-S. You can thank Super Producer Dan at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, of course, common spelling of the first name, Anglo-Saxon. Uh, we're available also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, be sure to subscribe to us. Yeah, and just one final shameless plug while we're talking to you about the social media platforms. Uh, it is the Salute to Service Month for the NFL, and I believe through the end of Thursday or Friday, if you tweet or post with hashtag Salute to Service, uh, you will raise, I think, like $5 per tweet um, for a very good cause. So um, if you do tweet us any questions, too, make sure to include that hashtag. And as always... It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. 
Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.